Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Engagement. As always, I'm your host, Ben Lind, and it's my pleasure to bring you another episode of the show that gives you actionable insights that you can implement today to give your employees amazing days at work. My guest today is Eugenio Piri. Chief People and Culture Officer at the Dorchester Collection of Hotels. Aside from his day-to-day, Eugenio is a writer on the subjects of leadership, culture, and diversity, and he very generously gave me some of his time at their amazing Mayfair offices. Eugenio gave me his thoughts on finding the right role for the individual, as well as the right individual for the role, spoke about unlocking the potential of employees by tapping into their real motivations, and he also gave us some insight into how best to prepare a global strategy when taking into consideration cultural differences in offices. Eugenio is clearly passionate about his career, and I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So with no further ado, please welcome Eugenio Piri. Okay, joining me on Talking Engagement, I have Eugenio Perry. Eugenio, thank you very much for joining me on the show. Thank you. It's a very much a pleasure to be here. Honestly, uh, you guys can't tell right now, but we're in like one of the most wonderfully attractive buildings I've ever been in. You feel like you can feel the imposter syndrome as you come in through the door. It's uh, it's quite intimidating. We're very lucky to be in Mayfair. So absolutely. Um, so any for anyone who hasn't heard of you before, Eugenio, are you okay to give us a quick run through sure. of who you are and what you do? Yes. So again, Eugenio Piri. I'm the Chief People and Culture Officer here at Dorchester Collection. I've worked here for the last eight years, but I've been in hospitality my whole life. I actually started as a room cleaner when I was 18 years old, and then just slowly worked my way up through wow. the ranks. I've worked in uh, traditional hotels, have about 25 departments, and I've worked in 18 of them to get to my current role. So I, I really know the business, I would say. I can totally <laughs> agree with that. I think that um, we're going to probably touch on it a little bit later in the mm. show, but one of the things that springs to mind immediately there is part of good management and leadership is being able to say to somebody, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't done myself. Exactly. Knowing what people go through is, uh, is a real, it gives you this insight into how you should make decisions and mm-hmm. how you should also ask for feedback. So it's a, it's a real benefit to the, to the role. Yeah. That's absolutely, I mean, what a, what a journey. <laughs> so I've been doing my research, Eugenio. So I saw that um, you were featured in a piece by the Ecole Hôtelier de Lausanne, yes, yeah? yes. Um, which is, for those that know, a very prestigious institute for hospitality uh, professionals and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were saying in this article that one of the first steps to creating a memorable customer experience is to understand why it is that people are staying with you. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask, do you apply that same reasoning to employees? Absolutely. I think, um, I mean, you get a lot of applications. We actually get more than a million applications a year, which is quite a lot for nine little hotels. Um, But uh, it is always really interesting as to why people apply. Of course, people need a a job. But if you really want to understand who they are, understand their talent and understand the direction they're going in, you have to know why they chose you to work for. Mm Um, it gives you such insight into who they are, who their value system is, or what they believe in, and what they believe they can get out of us, and what we can potentially um, help them develop in their own talent. So knowing that journey that they want to go on, is a, it really helps when you put the employee cycle together mm-hmm. and uh, move them forward. How many... So at what, what stage process is it for an application to Georgia? Yeah, we have basically a four-step process. So um, obviously you apply online and then right away you're given a, what we call the VERT. It's a values insight recruitment tool. Right. And it actually gives you real-life scenarios that you will face here. Um, but we've looked at all of the answers, the potential outcomes, and we've aligned them to our five core values, which are passion, personality, respect, working together, and creativity. And how you choose to answer the, those situations 
situations, what you would do, um, to, gives us an insight into which value it suits you and which value you align to. Um, for us, it's really important to bring people in that are going to bring the values to life um, so that they're not really just words on the wall. So Absolutely. that's a big step. Then after that, you do two interviews and then a final you're okay, let's okay. go for it. And then roughly speaking of your million applications, how many go on to become successfully employed? Well, we only uh, we only have about 700 jobs a year that we have. So we have a lot, um, but I'll be honest with you, we, we don't fill all 700. Okay. Um, so we're, we're quite selective uh, mm-hmm. on purpose because, again, living those values is really important to us. We do take some risks. Um, sometimes it's about you find somebody and you think, okay, this is the right person, so now I need to figure out they're not talented for this job, but actually they are talented for the company Mm -hmm. so then how do you align that Mm -hmm. so it becomes a process Mm -hmm. of wanting to ensure that the right person is in the right job at the right time etc etc and how hands-on do you get with this personally uh, well, I mean, I certainly have, I have people in culture teams across the collection. So we have recruiters, we have, you know, learning and development professionals, we have the directors, etc. So we're all involved heavily in that process. Um, but we expect the leaders in the company to be highly involved in it. Um, at the end of the day, they're the ones that have to make the magic happen with that person. So we ensure that it's multiple people involved in the process. But certainly we're the gatekeepers of it, ensuring that we are doing it the correct way and the procedures are being followed. Um, which is a full-time job at times. I can absolutely imagine. So I guess with taking it back to, to your own journey, mm. when you first joined, like mm. you started doing the rooms and everything like that, yeah. what was it that made you uh, go into HR? Um, it wasn't my. Uh, it wasn't the plan. I'll be honest with you. I thought I would be in operations. I think when people first join hotels, you know, eighty percent of the jobs are operational. So you're actually on the floor, touching, you know, the the service, creating the guest experiences, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it is one of those things where I was following down that path. I was working on a career actually in food and beverage, and then I just sort of woke up one day and I thought, I'm not sure this is what I want to do. So I was lucky. I made that realization within my first four years. So I didn't get down a route where sometimes it's hard to back out of. Um, And then I made a complete shift and I went into finance. Which, yes, it was a wow, and it definitely wasn't for me. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I enjoyed it, uh, and I love that I understand the P&L, I understand how the the systems work, the importance of costs, all of those types of things. Um, But um, I was actually lucky enough to be mentored at that time, and um, they basically said to me, you know, what are your strengths, what are your talents? You know, you seem to be really good with people. Perhaps this is a route you go. You should go down, and that's when I started getting into learning and development and training, and then that eventually blossomed into human resources, and then into the role I have now. And what would you say are some of the biggest contrasts, biggest differences between how it was then and, and how it is now? The industry. I think there's a lot more transparency nowadays. I think there's a lot more. Um, expectation that what you say is what you're going to deliver. Mm-hmm. I think the idea that I still think there is a belief that there is a job for life um, if you want it, but it's not the same job. It's more maybe like a company for life or a brand for life mm-hmm. because you you know it used to be you sort of entered a hotel and you sort of work there and we do. I mean a third of our workforce has been with us for more than 20 years so you know we're proud of that that, um, that accomplishment but nowadays people want to move, they want to experience different things and yeah these new generations that are willing to move around the world and try different experiences and I think this is the biggest shift and so you're you're the talent journeys used to be quite linear and now they're really all over the place so you really have to be able to be um, uh, nimble I can see that and very open to wanting to let people try different things Mm -hmm. Um, it involves a certain amount of courage and a certain amount of risk um, but 
the rewards are quite amazing when yeah. it works. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said there about sort of demonstrating that trust and mm. that empowerment of your of your working population Definitely. because I mean you, you said there sort of the millennial and kind of mm. Generation Z like it is this sort of mm. wanderlust and um, yeah. you know let's say what's the word like openness to travel and mm. you would assume that like the hospitality industry might well be one that lends mm. itself more to that yeah I think we're really lucky I mean you know when you think about travel and tourism and you think of almost every city town village everywhere in the world there's some form of travel and tourism so it is a wonderful uh, industry and it's something amazing that you can really take yourself to as many different directions as you want it to go in the reality is is that you have to continue to do it for the right reason mm-hmm. you know for us it's really important that you're that we're a guest-centric type organization, that we're really ensuring that we're doing it in service of wanting our guests to have the ultimate guest experience and really try something that's quite unique. You know, the hospitality industry is riddled with hotels, riddled with brands. Absolutely. So how do you set yourself up that's quite different than the rest? And I think that's important. So there has to be this strong dedication by the employee to want that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big generational guy because I, I see I see some of the attributes of the generations and all the generations. Yeah, okay. So we, we try not to do that. However, there is a reality that, you know, different people at different stages in their life maybe want different things. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have somebody who's, you know, worked with the company 20 years and somebody who's worked with us two years actually want the exact same thing. They just want it to be delivered in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you have to be able to be creative and nimble and open to wanting to to make it work. Yep. And that brings me on to my next question very nicely. Now, you are quite prolific on, on LinkedIn when it comes to writing content, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I try. I've been doing a little bit more poking around in some of the pieces that you've written. And I've seen that sort of one of the common topics is leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that is kind of most stuck with me in the things that you've written is that the importance of leaders empowering their people by mm. giving them a voice. Yeah? Yes. And I was curious just to have you explain a little bit more about sort of how, how you've put that culture in place here. Sure. I mean, I, I'm a big believer that you should do your, um, do your job and say what you need to say even if your job depends on it, if that makes sense. Mm. You can't be afraid to say when something's right or when something's wrong. If you've done a good job of recruiting people really based on your values, you know, so for us, one of our key values is respect, passion, and personality. Well, you can't be passionate if you don't give them a voice. You can't show your personality if you ask them to all say the same thing and act like robots, right? You can't be respectful if you're saying you can do what you want except for these things. So, you know, if you're really living your values, then you're having this openness, this communication, communication and for us it's really important and, and we find anyway I mean at the end of the day as I was mentioning earlier you know with 80% of the or 90% of the employees actually actually delivering the guest experience um, they're the ones that have the most information right they're the ones that are actually dealing with the guests they're the ones that are it's like going into a restaurant and you're a, a customer and I'm your server and you give me the order I become the most important person in the hotel not the general manager not everyone else because I know what you want as the customer and I know that if I get it right I'm going to satisfy you and hopefully exceed mm-hmm. your expectations and if I get it wrong I'm going to have the opposite effect so it's that same sort of principle that allow your people to speak nine times out of ten they actually have the best answer because they're the ones experiencing it Um, but you really have to be open to do it you know Mm -hmm. this is why we try to do our surveys on multiple times we ask a lot of questions we went away from a one-size-fit approach when it comes to our learning and our development and it is very much more about wanting people to define what their journey is going to be we call it it's your future let's create it together 
I like the this. idea. Yeah, and the idea is that you know it, you ultimately know what you want to get out of your career and out of the business, but you know we both need to work together to make it happen. Mm-hmm. That makes absolute sense. I think that it's like you say, really important to have that that openness to it, mm-hmm. even if you might find it to be a challenge. I mean, it's. I think you talk about that sort of surface level understanding that it's, I suppose it might be a little bit of a lazy generalization Mm. to make, but people often talk about kind of execs having that overall view, but they miss the sort of the minutia and the detail of the day to day. You see it referred to as the iceberg of of Mm -hmm. ignorance quite frequently. (laughs) Um, And I just, yeah, I mean, in terms of, um, I suppose having that always on approach to, to, to feedback, that's just... I suppose that comes across in in many forms. Yeah, I mean, there's many ways that you do it, right? There's the structured ways where we do things like your plan, which is people consider to be like the PDP type process. But, you know, we don't do scores and measures. It's much more about the conversation. It's the direction you want to go in. And the focus is very much about are you living the values? Are you living our vision? And are you able to do your job in a way that's going to help us achieve our vision? Um, that's the part, part of the conversation. Then there's the regular lineups that you do. Then there's the ongoing training and consistent development that you should be getting. So there's a lot of facets that need to go into it. You can't just say, okay, this is what we're going to do or have a conversation once a year. Or this is what we're going to do is we're going to do a lineup you know, every single day. You have to do both. And then you have to do the other part when it comes to the continual development. Then you have to allow them to give the voice through, you know, uh, engagement surveys or whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of factors that have to come together. Um, and it's sort of a, a continually, it's, you know, multiple clock clogs and they're all yeah. turning at the same time. And uh, you can't just rely on one or two. Um, and also don't put all your eggs in one basket. No, it's it's a complicated process, Absolutely. a lot of moving parts. Yeah. yeah. I think... Um, one of the common things that a lot a lot of the players in the hospitality industry will have is that there will be lots of different locations mm-hmm. as you say every yeah. every place has a, a sort of travel and tourism industry <laughs> and i think that one of the things that i've seen is really really important when you're putting together let's say an engagement strategy as it mm-hmm. pertains to different locations is you want to have say a global vision mm-hmm. and yet make sure that it's being delivered and being um, I suppose, yeah, being delivered in, but whilst remaining culturally sensitive to all the different locations. Yes. Like, how big a challenge is that? Um, definitely. I think the most, uh, the biggest thing I learned when I came into this particular role and having a global remit was understanding that every culture was unique mm-hmm. and every culture is different. And uh, it can be as simple as, you know, okay, now we're going to walk on the right instead of walking on the left. Um, you know, there's certain countries like I, I find of when, uh, you know, with our properties in America, I just say, okay, now we're going to walk on the left and everyone just walks on the left. You know, within two weeks, everyone's doing it. There's other countries where I need to go in there. I need to sit with everyone. I need to understand how it's part of the journey that they're on. Mm-hmm. I need to look at different stakeholders. In some cases, you need to get union involvement. In some cases, you need to get management involvement. Sometimes you got to just find the most powerful people in the business and get them to understand mm-hmm. it. And they bring other people on the journey. Um, it's been funny because I've often joked even with my own people and culture leaders that no matter what I do, even if it's just saying you're walking now on the other side, it's always going to take a year in Italy and it'll always take two weeks in America. <laughs> it doesn't matter even if it's something as simple because, you know, for them, it's really important that they understand the reasoning behind it and everyone sort of follows. But the most remarkable thing is by the end of that year, they're almost doing it better than the rest because they've taken time to understand it. So. I think you have to have a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. I think you have to really respect the cultures, respect the stakeholders, and just take your time. 
you know, it's, I think gone are the days where you can just immediately snap your fingers and think the next day something's going to change. Yeah. It just doesn't work like that. And if it does, it'll never be sustainable. You have to let people understand how it's part of what they do mm-hmm. and what's going to ultimately make them a success. How do you balance that then with more time sensitive priorities? Um, you plan ahead. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we could introduce something very, very quickly if we had to. But because we know this and because we've been at it for many years, we take all of that into consideration. Now, I say the extreme of a year. It's not always a year, right? But it is always a little bit longer in some regions and other regions. And, and there's a lot of factors for that. So you really just have to plan ahead. Um, and we do a lot of things like when we're launching, you know, different things. We really try to break it into different different ways of ensuring that the first things that we do before we even go in there and say this is what it is we really spend more time talking about the culture and how the culture needs to evolve mm-hmm. and then we decide to talk about what the change is going to be so that we're preparing people they have an understanding of what's coming you know and sometimes that pre preparation could could be three or four months in advance yep. because they have to just get their mindset around it so you like lay the groundwork lay the groundwork with a like a future goal in mind exactly. and then just kind of more gradually get to it exactly okay I can see that so you said culture there right mm. and I think that even though I understand that like recreation and downtime and environment is is only a small part of the culture mm. and this kind of thing that makes up all the yeah. employee experience yeah. right I think we've talked about values and we've talked a little bit about how you can align somebody's journey with what they hope their career progression is yeah what about on the other side of that then when it comes to things like I guess perks or you know a little bit of downtime or, or indeed like environment what kind of I suppose what other elements are there of the of the employee experience that you can tell us about at Dorchester I think, you know, I just want to preface that with a little bit about how we define culture, Mm -hmm. I suppose, first of all, because I think it is important for us to understand that culture is really made up of two things, actions and decisions. Okay. So for us, you know, a culture is ultimately about the decisions that are getting made on a day-to-day basis and the actions of how they're being brought to life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the idea of how leaders run the business to how employees get empowered to, to, you know, the journey that we're on, right? And of course, all that magic, the culture for me is like the intersection of it all. So it's about, you know, the decision gets made. This is the action that gets taken. So what's this magic spot in the middle of what it's going to look like? Mm -hmm. You know, those are the become the layers of your culture, right? Because past practice plays into it. You know, people mimic other people. You know, if it gets rewarded, people want to, you know, continually do it. If it doesn't, in some cases, it causes people to make a different decision. In other cases, it just scares people and they don't want to make decisions. So there's a lot of things that are happening in that magic spot. Um, So what happens in that spot is really important. So then when it comes to things like recognition, perks, all of those kinds of things, that's also where the magic has to happen and how you really want to recognize the employees on the journey that they're on, whether it's, you know, through the before they've arrived, you know, during the stay or during their stay with us, you know, as employees or whatever the case may be, and ultimately what's important to them. You know, we, I think there's, um, I think there's a lot of traditional things that, that, that you do when you give perks to employees Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm always amazed at how often people just don't ask, you know, we, I think a lot of times perks get done because it's kind of what you want. Yeah. Uh, but if actually, if you ask the employee, you know, I mean, a few years ago, um, we asked the employee what was important to them. Uh, we did a little survey at the Dorchester, and um, the employees just wanted, um, were really keen on the new iPhones at the time. You know, now there's always iPhones, but I think this was like iPhone 7 at the time it was coming out. Um, so we just ended up giving um, certain people like cash 
cash-free loans, uh, uh, interest-free loans, I apologize, because that's what, kind of what they wanted. You know, now, for tax reasons, we couldn't continue that and all that kind of stuff. But it's really about understanding what makes sense for the employee and then just continuing on. And I think benefits, perks, all of those types of things, you have to keep layering that as well because, you know, it just becomes then part of the employment, right? So how do you then keep it fresh? How do you keep it creative? And I think that's what's important. Excellent. And so we touched on it there a little bit about peer-to-peer recognition. Yeah. And now we all know that it's important for cementing like company values Mm. Um, but also it's really important when it comes to giving people confidence making Mm. sure that you know kudos are given like thank yous and well dones don't get missed Mm -hmm. like what's your take on that method when it comes to for as a means of giving feedback yeah i mean i think there is nothing better than just like giving somebody a pat on the back and actually telling them Mm -hmm. you know i think everyone's different and everyone wants different types of recognition so again like everything it's got to be multi-layered you know there's you know we have uh, systems in place where you can send recognition through emails or through quick little like messages and you know beautiful little pictures and all that kind of stuff then you have the one that is done in person then you have the one that's really private between a leader or between employees So you have to give people a lot of opportunities to do recognition in different ways. You know, I personally think, you know, getting a pat on the back is the best recognition. But some of the people I work with hate it. They don't like to be recognized in front of other colleagues. They get embarrassed, all of that kind of stuff. So, again, you have to look at it in a Mm multi-way perspective. But it is really important. I mean, the beautiful thing about recognition, too, is that, it doesn't always have to be, you know, we base our recognition, of course, on the values. We base it on you've done a good job, you've exceeded the expectation, but there's also other things, you know. Sometimes you just need to recognize a person for being who they are, for not being afraid to speak up, for not being afraid to be who they are, because they're inclusive, because they're diverse, because there's there's so many different ways that you have to look at recognition um, nowadays, and I think that's what's really important now. And it, it dovetails, right? Because there's no one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. We've said there, some people really enjoy get, maybe being publicly recognized. Mm-hmm. Other people don't like it. Mm-hmm. But, of course, they wouldn't feel empowered to tell you that they didn't like it if you hadn't already created this open culture it, it, of feedback. Exactly. So one really kind of precedes the other, which I think is, is pretty neat. Absolutely. So I think that's something that I observed in my time in the sort of engagement and, and HR and people space is even recently right an influx of technology mm-hmm. i think that my background was was in software and i've seen it come into different sectors different areas so we've seen banking become a thing sort of more recently we've seen sort of utilities and that kind of thing and now i see kind of more of an inundation when it comes to the people side of things so you know we're going to do ai to do sentiment analysis and all that kind of stuff obviously there's a place for it I don't think people are ever going to be replaced in this. It's mm-hmm. always going to be people dealing with people. Yeah. I think it's, it's a two-part question. What, what's maybe the best implementation of technology to an end that you've sure. seen? And then also what might be one where it's missed the mark slightly? Mm. Well, I think they kind of both answer each other because, you know, first of all, you know, as you said, for us, we always look at technology as the enabler. You know, for us, we've really put a stake in the ground that technology will not replace people. So that, that's really important to us. I would think the best way to do it, and you know, we're actually on a journey at the moment. We're currently launching a global platform across all of our hotels. So what we've done is we've made a multifaceted team, meaning we have people from the customer experience side, we have people from the people and culture side, we have IT specialists on it. Mm-hmm. We have a variety of different people working together as a team. There's you know, the traditional project managers, the people who are doing the training, et cetera, et cetera. And what we've done is we've built it into sections, and it's basically there's three sections in it. 
And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, the very first section, we call it Culture Week. So we're, we visit all of the hotels, we take time, we do all employee meetings. So we literally herd all the employees into, a, into the ballroom. We do a big town hall, very celebratory, and we talk about the journey we're about to embark on, yeah. why we're taking this journey, what has been the history of this journey, truly get them to understand why we're going to be asking them to embark on something that is so new, so unique, so different, how it fits into their daily lives, what potentially changes they're going to see, what is the technology, et cetera, et cetera. We do that with all the employees. Then we do leadership sessions. Then we actually take um, all of the importance of our culture and what this means, and we break it into skills cards. Then we do, for four days, we do the huddles, which is for every single shift. There's a huddle, and we talk about what's happening, and we've created little skills cards, and they go there. Each of the managers can do it themselves, so they're talking directly to their team. How is it going to affect my team in food and beverage, my team in rooms, my team in housekeeping, my team in minibars. It's really important to be able to understand because every department is going to have a different way to do that. And for us, that's the first most important three to five days. Then the second week is here's the technology. Okay. You know, and so we spend a week doing the training, training, bringing them into workshops and to get them to understand how it works. You know, we have specialists, we've trained them, we bring them in. And then the third week is it kind of goes live, let's say, but then we keep a team on board there to ensure that we troubleshoot and we walk them through it, continuing to remind them of why they're doing this. Because there's going to be always a lot of frustration with learning it. Does it work properly? I can't figure it out. I don't know how to push the button, you know, things like that. So by having people remaining, you can continually go back to the culture and saying, I know it's frustrating, but imagine when we know this piece of information by doing this right, what would this will mean for the guest experience, what this will mean for your job. Um, and I think that's the best way to do it. The worst way is obviously just here's the technology and walking away, yeah. right? And we've all seen that too. I think sometimes we see technology and we just think it's awesome and we can use it. So we think everyone's going to love it. And of course, not everyone loves it. And so if you really forget the culture week, as we call it, you're really doing a disservice to your culture, which is sort of the whole point of why we're here. Very self-defeating if you do that. Yeah, very much. What, what I really like about that example there is that it's almost serves as like, a microcosm of the engagement space itself absolutely in the sense that you can't just i mean so frequently even now you'll yeah. you'll 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 have this like hesitancy and this resistance and mm-hmm. this like inertia if you can you can sometimes see sort of people kind of going oh no he's talking about engagement yeah again. and i think <laughs> if you can as you say if you can go in and you yeah. can almost like put their eyes on the end goal mm-hmm. eyes on the horizon and say look this is where we'll be if we can just get there how amazing is it going to be you know at the end of the day people want two things from their employment right they want meaningful work and they want purpose right above above all you know it goes without saying there's sort of a the the low-hanging fruit or the foundational things as i say you still got to pay them right you got to give them a good environment you have to you know all of those good things but at the end of the day people want meaningful work and they want purpose and so by continually taking it back to the culture continually taking it back to where engagement lies and where it needs to go and the sort of environment you're trying to create which is always going to be safe respectful continuous learning all of those good things then they're going to understand what it means that they're what they're doing is meaningful to the long-term vision of the company and they have a purpose which is in our case you know being a guest centric organization mm-hmm. to deliver the ultimate guest experience 
is there any other option but to be a guest centric organization well yeah there's a, there's a lot sadly I think there's a lot of organizations that like to say that but they're really a money centric organization right just more I think of at a the end of the day room for the night type well, affair rather than an experience no, I, yeah I mean I'm not putting you know this is not about just the hospitality industry mm. there's too many businesses that are focused on profit mm-hmm. now I'm not saying you know my finance person would kill me fine a profit is important of right course. you have to make returns the business has to be successful but if there's a lot of companies that that actually is the driver even though they say it's a august experience the minute that there's a you know wobbly wobbliness in the market or business is down mm-hmm. they cut 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 right right at the end of the day that's not what your first response should be your first response should be protect 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 yeah. protect the guest experience protect the culture of the company protect the employees mm-hmm. protect the vision all of those types of things and because if you do that you'll ride the wave a lot better and come out better on the other side and I think and this is why I said I, I agree it's really easy to say you're guest centric but actually putting it to life is a very different story you have to live it right? absolutely you can't just, I can see that okay cool well Eugenio I really appreciate your time I'm going to finish on one question <laughs> sure. I'm finishing on this question for everybody for the entire series that I'm doing this with so is it time to rebrand human resources and if so what would you rebrand it to yeah, I mean, I believe it's already been rebranded. Um, I believe it already, you know, and whether it's people, whether it's culture, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it it's always boils down to the question of why are you doing it in the first place? You know, why are you doing human resources? You know, I always say that I'm not giving people, you know, I'm not doing resources because I want to give somebody a job or because I want to train them. I'm doing pe- uh, people and culture because I want to give people an opportunity to live. So the opportunity that I can give them a job means that they can have a family, they can have children, they can go on holiday, they can buy a house, they can become citizens, whatever the case may be. I'm giving them an opportunity to actually have meaning in their life and have a purpose. And so to me, this is what the rebrand is all about. And I, I see this more and more in companies and I, 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 I get to meet and discuss and chat with some amazing people professionals and they're driven by this so to me i think the conversation has changed a lot Mm -hmm. already um you know the title is almost not relevant although i would never want to be known as an hr person from that perspective meaning a traditional hr person i want to be known as a people leader and somebody who really wants to give purpose Mm -hmm. so i think that's the rebrand that we're already on I like that we're living it rather than mm-hmm. it. it's not something that needs to be said it's something that needs yeah. to be acted out right? exactly I really want to you said I, just, <laughs> I don't know if I can keep this question in but you said you talked about letting people be citizens yeah and I just because we I've, I do a bit of work with some other people in the hospitality sure. sector and one of the things that is a bit of un, that is causing some uncertainty for mm. a, a reasonable portion of their employees is the looming sure. October 31st deadline right now if we were to give a a political answer to this like is this something that you're having to address I mean definitely we're worried about it I mean we probably like every other business have you know I've seen our employees be quite worried about it we've had to do you know workshops and try to talk to them get them to understand it the issue is is that there is just no real answer at the moment so I'm not an alarmist type of person so for me until I know what I'm dealing with I'm just going to continue to go with the flow. I genuinely believe that, you know, if we have a hard Brexit, they're not, you know, people aren't going to leave the country in droves and they're not going to kick people out in the droves. You know, our economy cannot survive that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that there'll be an answer at some point. And up until we have an answer, 
Um, all we can do is continue to reassure the employees that we're going to do everything we can to ensure that they're safe and protected. Um, and that's all we can do. Uh, you know, I'm, I would never want to comment on politics because <laughs> I think it just changes rapidly every single day as yeah. we're seeing. So I think at the end of the day, concentrate and on what you can fix and do, and which is, in my opinion, protect the employees and see what happens love it absolutely love it mm. Eugenio thank you so much for your time You're for anybody welcome. who wants to hear a little bit more uh, from you or, or hear about Dorchester or pick up on some of the articles that you've written or anything what's some of the best ways for people to find you I mean definitely I'm on LinkedIn epiri17 mm-hmm. and then uh, my Twitter handle is at Eugenio Piri. so by all means you're welcome to follow if you like but uh, other than that uh, I think that's about it perfect Eugenio thank you very much thank you very much cheers cheers Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, and a massive thanks again to Eugenio for coming on the show. I think for a lot of people listening to this, his take on technology in the people space will be quite enlightening. I mean, we are absolutely blessed to have some of the tools that we do, but for me, you really have to keep that human connection. Anyway, that's it for me, everybody. Thank you so much for the likes, for the shares, for the feedback. It really means so much to me. If you want to see more from me, you can follow me on LinkedIn. My name is Benjamin Lind. On Twitter, I'm at BenjaminL1ND. And to email the show with any feedback or suggestions, you can find us at talkingengagementpod at gmail.com. I'll be back with another episode in a fortnight's time. So until then, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, stay engaged. 